0: lawyer talk
1: here we are again just show after show after show they just keep coming out
0: it's always there. better when i'm here
1: it is always better when the beard is here he's masked yeah. who is that masked man the masked beard ah we have a guest he's <laughs> already he's already he's already in, he's already in the fray can't shut up already yeah he's already in the fray that's awesome here at channel 511 <laughs> studio c that's in columbus ohio for you international listeners
0: it's almost been. It's become. It's become just our theme to get it wrong. I, I, on the air, off the air. I've so gotten like, it yeah. wrong so many times. Yeah. that I can't get it right. Yeah,
1: that's the intro. Even if even if it's right, it's wrong. I guess. But uh, so yeah, lots of good stuff happening today. I guess some you know the usual banter. Plus we have a guest, Tom Susi, here to join us. Good afternoon, gentlemen. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to know Tom a little bit. Talk about some current events here locally in Columbus. Uh, and then, uh, maybe talk about what's coming with you. Sounds great.
2: He's,
3: I like how this, that, no, I like how that. this sounds through my headsets. Uh, he's got that
1: like professional Hello,
3: radio man. voice. How you, are you? You think you? he's
2: been doing it before.
1: It's almost
3: like, like, he's, been it's in it's almost like he's been in broad broadcasting been on at one point something. in time. Live
1: from studio
3: Five Eleven. studio C studio at C at what? What is it? It's studio C studio C. At five eleven At five eleven in beautiful downtown Columbus. It's the Steve
2: Palmer Variety Show. Yeah. With Steve Palmer. Be that too. I tap dance a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you said earlier, Tom, that you started out in uh, Flint doing sports radio. Flint Radio
3: made uh, $12,500 a year on WFDF AM 900. AM Radio, boy.
1: Is that still a thing? Is AM radio still out there? AM, AM still out there, brother. (laughs) It's It's, probably paying the same
3: money too. It pays about as much as podcasting. What did I was it twelve hundred a year? No, don't. It was twelve five. Twelve five. (laughs) It sounded. It seemed like twelve hundred a year at the time. Trust me. So
1: twelve thousand five hundred a year. Now, what year was that? Uh, give or take. Probably thirty years ago. So thirty years ago, you started in radio. Yes, sure. Now, at what point? I mean, obviously, we're going to get to how you ended up in Columbus, but what? How does one just say, I'm going to be the sports guy on AM radio? How does that occur?
3: My wife asked the same thing because at the time I wasn't even in the business. Uh, I was a few years out of college, and I said, I want to be in radio. I mean, that's what I majored in. And I was an assistant uh, public relations director at Goodwill Industries, writing press releases. And so a job came open. I made a demo tape. And I went down and got the job and was there probably about uh, three and a half years. And I think I got up to about $14,000 a year. At, my the, best at, year.
1: The, at the day job.
3: Yeah, at the day job. I got up to about fourteen grand a year and we were uh, rolling in the dough. Yeah. <laughs> but it See. was a lot of fun, though. I mean, I did all the morning sports cast Flint, at that time and even now a huge sports town. And so I would do the morning sports cast, I would cover the Tigers, I would cover some hockey, you know, the Red Wings. It was a great job, it just didn't pay anything.
1: Now Flint, I, I mean, 30 years ago, that's about when it really turned to crap, right? It Wasn't Flint like, uh, it, when when did the Michael Moore?
3: About, the yeah, probably a few years before that, when crack cocaine uh, hit the inner cities in the 80s and General Motors started rolling out of town. That's when it went really bad. Uh, it became bowling alleys strip bars, and crack houses. That's all it was. Yeah, mm. it, And it never really rebounded from those times. It's still mm. bad.
1: Yeah, it just seems that uh, Flint, I, I, I think Flint, and I think like... What do you think really of? Bad. I mean,
3: because you grew up in you, Ohio, right? You when you think, you of, think the of Flint, what do you... That's well, the first, that's, that's true. A, that's the first thing that comes <laughs> to my mind. I hear so Flint. So Water. Yes. What do you think of when you think of Flint,
1: Steve? The first thing that came to my head was like uh, a destitute city that Michael Moore talked about in his his thing. That's the first I'd ever heard of Flint as a kid.
3: True, and uh, that's what it became, but early on it was a a great roaring happening uh, General Motors town with a lot of people uh, gainfully employed by these factories. Making cars. Making cars and they all had cabins up north. They would uh, get out of work and hit I-75 and Head north to their cabin. Uh, one-income families at that time, and they could afford to pay the bills, have a house, and have a cap, and have a cabin up north.
1: Now, give me a time frame of this. You were going back to the sixties,
3: sixties, seventies, fifties, sixties,
2: seventies, early eighties, and then uh, it hit. Well, in the fifties, we produced the world's cars. True. Yeah. I mean, I mean, true. So everything. I mean, there was. You know, I mean, the whole world was buying from Michigan.
1: If if you think about what's going on in the world, it makes perfect sense as you look back, right? So. Uh, the rest of the productive world was flattened by World War II. True. Um, you know, we were in the war and we took our, we took our lumps, but not at home. You know, our, our infrastructure stayed fairly sound. And uh, that gave us the ability to go make cars, really without competition. I mean, we never thought for a second that Japan might be able to make a car better than us. I mean, and it took them 40 years to be able to do that. And then they did, and, and we got left in the dust.
3: You know, in, during the war when World War II happened in Flint, some of the factories were producing tanks. Yeah, yeah.
2: Cadillac made the tanks. Yeah, they yeah. Packer, so they were Packer, still working. Packard still putting the engines together for the planes for the Mustangs. Right,
1: and you know what? The, but the, there's also there was a downside to this. Like uh, you know, we didn't as a result of that we had it too easy a little bit. We could just make cars, True. and uh, we didn't get pushed through competition. So we we were able to blow it up through the union labor, yep. blow it up. Uh, we didn't have to the quality. Was there, but it wasn't pushed, and then, uh, and then all of a sudden, these other countries came along and were able to manufacture and build things better. And you know, I, I one time uh, I was talking to a guy from Poland, and uh, he pulled out a cell phone, and he goes, "Yeah, your networks here, you know, they're just not as good." And this is going back fifteen years, probably. But um, he goes, "Yeah, the, ours are all way light years ahead of you guys because we had to build it fresh and new after World War II. We didn't, we didn't, you know, we were here in the United States, We relied right. Right on the old stuff." Uh, and we didn't have to innovate anything new. And uh, as a result of that, I think they sort of jumped ahead, and I think we've caught up. But
3: No, I think that's a, a good, good point. And another thing, at that time in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and early 80s, uh, the unions were strong mm-hmm. in the automotive industry. You know, the UAW and Teamsters, they were, they were strong. And then uh, it weakened. The wages went down. Shops started closing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a it was a what's the Pon, Ponzi? Pon, it was almost like a Ponzi scheme, right? It's like the, the <laughs> right, right. You know, the the retirement benefits they just it couldn't sustain itself. And then I think once there's competition from abroad or cheaper.
3: Well, yeah, it started in Mexico. They started uh, shipping production down to Mexico, and then it started branching off to other countries and uh, American car makers. Uh, Weren't what it used to be. It wasn't what they used to be. It just the whole game changed.
1: You know what they did have, though, Jeff? AM radio. Always That's right. Always been big on AM radio. AM? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a great job at the time. But I then morphed into TV.
1: You got the face for radio, but you morphed I, into well, TV. Well, exactly.
3: Right. Even now, my wife says, I don't know how you uh, were able to stay in TV 30 years with your attitude you know right you know calling the bs out and constantly being a thorn in someone's side usually the people I even worked with and then of course the face for radio yeah but i was able to do it
1: yeah but you did it
2: you did it your way i guess and that that was your i I did did do it my way i've seen you on tv though he looks good you look like a pit bull yeah i put the makeup on you you got that you you're coming at somebody
3: yeah and plus i had you know when you're on set you wear a lot of makeup I don't miss that. I must yeah. look horrendous with lights and no makeup. I
1: must look like a ghoul, the well, Grim now, Reaper. Now, hold on. Did you put on makeup to come here to studio? I thought it? about it. <laughs> I thought about <laughs> it. Yeah, got about a
3: little it. rouge, a little taking makeup, picture. some eyeliner. Yeah. 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 But screw it. Yeah, I'm, uh, like you said, the Susanator is back. You're back. And I'm not taking any prisoners.
1: Well, I mean, so it, how does what, how does one make the leap from radio to TV, and does is that happen a lot? I mean, no, I'll tell you
3: exactly what happened. Uh, a, a friend of mine who works in Seattle till this day covers the Seattle Seahawks and the Mariners, and you know all the sports out there. I was able to do an internship at a local TV station, and uh, I made a tape in about three or four months, a sports tape, and I took it to a station in Lansing and the guy the news director at the time said we don't have any sports openings would you be interested in a part-time news job well i i, didn't, I never even read the part-time paper news yeah job. yeah i never read the paper i didn't even know a senator Think from about a that, representative part-time,
1: part-time news
2: i mean it almost sounds I mean, it so <laughs> well, like that's like the weekend guy you know what i mean cuz you got you got your weekday and then the weekends <laughs> yeah. you got different announcers so were you like a weekend Or or what was your scheduling on part-time Well, the schedule is all,
3: when when you're a part-time news reporter, you're uh, available uh, seven days a week, uh, 24-7. So they would uh, have me all over the place. But my point is, I didn't know anything about news. I was a sports guy. I never read news. I read the sports pages. And my thinking was, okay, I'm going to get my foot in the door. A sports opening will come up, and I'll gravitate uh, toward that. Well, I, I got hooked on it. I got hooked on doing news stories. I got hooked on holding public and elected officials accountable and chasing down bad businesses and contractors and sticking my mic in their faces. I loved it. I never looked back. So,
0: this was in Lansing?
3: Yeah, Lansing, Michigan. That's a great city. That's where it, I went to law school. Oh, it was a, it was a great yeah. news town for me and I made yeah. 550 an hour. 550 an hour.
0: 550
3: an, Five an hour. My wife thought, "Wait a minute. So you're going to quit your Twelve thousand five hundred a year job, for this job that pays you five fifty an hour, and you may work twenty hours a week.
2: Yeah, but there's potential here. But you saw something that yeah. you did. You like you said, you didn't know news. But once you got into it, it must have opened your eyes to things that have been going on around you. That you, oh, just, you, had, that you just didn't know. It's there, but you weren't right. looking at it. The blinders
3: came off. Uh, I started paying attention to government and you know police and fire and. All the community services and what was going on in the drug world and what was going on with with unions and auto makers. It did open up my eyes, and so uh, I got promoted and made uh, a whole eighteen thousand dollars.
1: Now, do you think some of this? I mean, you just mentioned you all this, uh, the rising so, Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think some yeah. of this? Do you think some of this is attributable to the city, the changes in Flint? It's like it's almost easier to call out the. Let me just put it, we're, we're, and it'll jump ahead a little bit to sure. what we're going to talk about. It's like, you can, it, it, bad times really expose the corruption, I think, oh, more than anything. absolutely. So it's like, if Flint's going through some bad times, like you immediately, it's like auto workers, unions, and, and this, it's all going to shit. And, you know, that gave you stuff to talk about, I guess.
3: Oh, absolutely. I worked in Lansing two and a half years and then got hired at my uh, hometown station in Flint, WJRT, TV 12. WJRT. And it was a great station. It's a great market. Uh, Flint TV market, uh, very strong. So I got hired in Flint and that's what was going on. The crack epidemic, auto plants closing, unions and, uh, you know, General Motors going at it. And so I became the official strike reporter. And I was reporting on gangs, and, you know, I was doing stories on the infiltration of a crack from Chicago in Detroit and the gangs who were responsible behind it. So it really helped launch my career, and it took me to Detroit from there. Did you, Did you
0: ever—, ever any thre- oh, oh, no, I know, that's the same thing. Same questions, ahead. yeah. Yeah, so any threats? Oh, like all the
3: time. Stuff? Yeah. All, all the time. There was a— a gang in particular out of Chicago that had people in Flint called the Spanish Cobras, and at one time the Spanish the Spanish Cobras, Cobras they were a, a Latino gang, and I think they're still in Flint running, and of course uh, across the country. But word was is that the guy in Chicago did put a contract out on me, but
1: thought better of it because he had the microphone. You mean that's right? The power of the microphone. <laughs> Wow, but that lost your career, and you ended up in Detroit from there. Yeah,
3: and then, you know, I bounced around, worked in Detroit a while, went to Pittsburgh, went to uh, Cincinnati, was in Orlando, and hated Florida, spent four years in Orlando working for the Fox uh, O&O, and my wife got offered a a great job at the James Cancer Center, and we came here about uh, 10 years ago.
1: 10 years ago. So I want to go back to Detroit. Tell me about Detroit. What's that city like?
3: At that time, a great news town, rock and roll news, uh, shootings, gangs, corruption. But the bad thing about it, what I didn't like is you would go in at, I worked the the night shift, so you would go in around 2 o'clock, and they would put you in a live truck, and you would never be back until after 11. You would produce everything out in the field, and uh, you would just run from story to story, shootings, fires. Not a lot of time to do in-depth investigations. It was mo- mostly what we call breaking news. yeah. And that's become a watered-down yeah, phrase what a, now. It's white noise, but at that time, it really was breaking news. And it was uh, fast. It was uh, rock and roll journalism, and I loved it.
1: Now, is there I, – I have this vision of uh, – and, you know, I've had people interview us here about cases, Jeff, that like when the guys come in, it's like one dude with a camera, and he sets it all up, interviews it. Uh, And then every now and then there's like more. And then like sometimes there's two or three people that come. Um, Were you doing your own editing? Were you doing your own? It's like, how does that work?
3: No, I, uh, at that point, I didn't shoot. I didn't edit. I wrote the stories and tracked them. It was a union shop. And in fact, uh, after I left Flint, I never edited anything. And I've never shot anything. You see these reporters these days that they're hiring. We call them multimedia journalist. What that means is you write, you shoot, you report, you edit, you set up your own live shots, you do everything but the accounting.
1: Wow. It's ridiculous. What that means is that you do three times as much work for the same money.
3: And then throw in the social media component, which when I started there was no social media, there was no internet, so now you shoot, you edit, you write for maybe a show at four, five, and six. And you have to feed Instagram. You have to feed Twitter. You have to f- feed Facebook. It's it's ridiculous. The yeah. the expectations are crazy. That's why you don't see a lot of in depth reporting because they don't give reporters time to do it. Well, and does maybe
1: it reflects somewhat of what's going on? I mean, nobody wants to read. I mean, there was a time you'd get you'd pick up the dispatch here in Columbus, and it would be like this six part series. You know, you'd read read like the long story on Sunday and it it was like six weeks of it. It's like I I, I haven't read The Dispatch for a long time either. But it's like you you just don't hear about that stuff anymore. It just seems like it's all this quick hitting. And now they even tell you on the articles – like this is a two minute read, or this will take a minute. And, <laughs> right. and I'm embarrassed to say, if it's like ten minutes, I don't read it. It's like if it's like if I'm scrolling through something. I was like, man, I have ten minutes for that. Well, oh, I got a minute for this one. This, is, and, you know, it's got to be great content then. Well, that's what
3: TV is uh, now and has been the past few years. It's all headline news. It's all hit and miss. Uh, reporter might get sixty seconds, maybe ninety seconds to do a report, and they'll do that same story on a wheel over and over and over four, five, and six, it'll be the same story. And what they do is they'll tell you, use a different soundbite, put in some different video, but it's the same story over and over mm-hmm. three, four times a day from the same reporter.
2: Yeah, I hated that.
3: it. I hated it. You know, I don't like that kind of reporting. I, I never got into it just to be in TV, henceforth the face. Nobody ever said to me, you've got a face for television. You could do this, kid. I didn't get into it for that. I got into it because I wanted to report and hold the people accountable and hold businesses accountable and call the bullshit card when you saw it. I didn't get into it because I had a desire to be on camera, never wanted to be on camera. I just wanted to be
1: a reporter. You seem like one of the, here in Columbus, if I think to myself, who is, of all the networks and all the people I've seen, like who is the person uh that would be calling out the contractor calling out the business whatever it's like your name and your face are just indelibly grained in my brain i mean it's like from what i recall you're the person who did that first maybe i'm wrong i don't know
3: well i i was the person who did it and excelled at it when i was on tv here for nearly 10 years but i don't think anybody's doing it now no i mean i i would run with anybody i did it in detroit i did it in pittsburgh i did it in orlando and i came here and i did it here uh, that's just the way I report.
1: Is it there? Is there like a name for that job in the news world? It's like, oh, he's going to be the blank guy.
3: Yeah, the bulldog. It? You're the, the bulldog. bulldog. In fact, that's what my second news director called me. He goes, you're a bulldog. You're the bulldog, and you got the reputation of uh, being the guy who would go in there and, and do the tough stories that a lot of reporters
1: didn't want to touch. Now, are you are you a scrapper on the playground when yeah, you were a kid? I was.
2: <laughs>
3: Yeah I, bo- yeah, I boxed. Yeah. I mean, my, my family comes from boxing. My cousin fought professionally. My brother was a state Golden Glove champ. I, I didn't have those accolades, but yeah, I fought a little bit. I was raised by a single mom in a low income uh, area with a lot of rednecks, and uh, sometimes you had to fight. Sometimes you had to protect yourself.
2: Now, how you calling him? me out, Palmer? No, no he seems like a stand his <laughs> ground kind of guy. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I got, I got damn. That, that's what I said. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I got Dan, Dan, got right, Dan yeah. back here. No, so I, I guess it's it's it seems like that fits the <clears throat> it fits the personality. I mean, it it's not like you were acting when you were doing this stuff. It's sort of like you.
3: No, and just the other day uh, somebody was posting on on Facebook. They said, "Oh, Susie, yeah, a real tough guy. Yeah, he played this tough guy image on TV. I bet she's I bet he's not so tough." Well,
0: you should have responded with your
3: cell phone number and said, "Where do you want to meet? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not looking for trouble, and I'm a little older than I used to be. But I'm not a wallflower.
1: No, clearly not. And let me just say this, too, because, you know, this happens in the, in the courtroom as well. It, it, being tough doesn't mean you're just willing to fight. or, or Exactly. You be, but I, I would defy anybody to go confront somebody for any reason at, at all. I mean, even if it's the store clerk or even if it's the manager, even if it's like how many people are actually willing to say, no, this is crap. You rip me off. Uh, and then have that confrontation. It's not easy to do for anybody, and it's not just physical. There's, there's like a, it's, it's almost like we. There's so many people that just avoid that intuitively.
3: That's a great point. It's not physical. It's, it's mental. It's I mean, easy it's to a do a nothing. State. It's, it's always easy
2: it's to always do. nothing. It's always easy to do
1: nothing in the face of right or wrong. It's always easy to do nothing. Yes. and it's even easier to do nothing uh, than do right. You know, it's like most people. The right thing is usually harder to do. I think.
3: Well, you know, I grew up fighting for everything, you know, fighting to get to college, fighting to graduate from college, uh, fighting to have enough money to be able to do that, you know, fighting for a job that, you know, really shouldn't have, doesn't go to guys like me in television. You know what I mean? I'm not the the typical background to get those TV jobs. So I've been fighting my whole life. You know, I'm still fighting.
1: You sort of look like William Hurt, actually, from Broadcast News. Give me a second, cry. Like.
3: <laughs> if I talked to you long enough, you probably couldn't make me cry, though. I probably could. But probably. Because you're, yeah. you're a good uh, defense attorney.
2: So uh, the way you were explaining and how the news has changed from wherever you got in to where it is now, it sounds like they don't have enough time to do the right facts. When, who, what, when, where, and why. Whenever you've got to jot it down, get it, get it out. And you said you fight for everything, so you're fighting for the truth, you're fighting for the facts, and that doesn't happen in one hour.
3: Well, no, and, and, the, and the thing with television, it used to be owned, these stations used to be owned by a lot of different companies. Now, they're owned by a handful of companies. It's become a monopoly. It's become commercialized. It's become commoditized and, and, and corporatized. Uh, it's a different game. They yeah. don't want to rock the boat. They, don't, well, they want no controversy. They want it quick. They want it dirty. They want it cheap. They don't want to lose viewers. They want to lose advertisers. It's a business.
1: It's almost like bubblegum news. You know, it's like whatever is going to be popular, just do that.
3: Oh, yeah. That, that's really what it is. What's the big story today? Let's beat it to death as long as we can. It's easy to do. And it's usually going to have to do with breaking news or, poli- or political elected officials because you don't get sued. You don't get sued covering the news generally. Now, if you do investigations— and you're looking at people doing things they shouldn't be doing, you more have to be sued.
1: You know, it's funny, because i watched two movies recently. Um, coincidentally, really. One was uh, Michael Keaton was in this movie about exposing the Catholic Church. It was the, I think it was the Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was yep. the Chicago. No, it was Boston. It was the Boston, uh, what's the paper? The Globe. Herald. It was the Globe. Globe or the Herald, I don't remember. Uh, and, you know, this is going back probably to the 80s now I maybe mean, that wasn't that long ago. That was, but it was before this sort of newer version of news where it's all Instagram right, right. and Facebook. And then another was a story about um, uh, a kid who got set up on a on a drug deal, and he ended up spending some time in Asia somewhere. And and, and again, it was a reporter. So, and uh, what you what you're saying here reminded me of it. It was a reporter who was saying, "Look, I need to do an investigation," and he was arguing with his boss, like, "I need to do an investigation. Right. This is going to take time. This is going to take six weeks." I need to do this, and uh, you just kind of have to pay for it. And the, you know what? In the movie, whether it was true or not, they it was based on a true story. But they end up putting them on like freelance. They're like, all right, you'll get X dollars a story, uh, so you produce or you don't. But if you don't, that's it. And uh, it seems like that was like the old school news, right. you know, like the newspaper dudes who were ferreting out all the – all the controversial stories, it seems like that's where it came from. Like, you know, even um, Watergate, it's, it's, it's like you have that true, vision of like true. old school press and now they're not doing any of that. I think they're afraid to do that.
3: Well, it's because it's a this a, it's the business model And the business model is, you know, keep it the cheap, you know, quick and dirty and, and, and cheap. It's it's headline news.
1: And don't piss off the people who are paying us.
3: Well, because the viewership is depleting. Advertising dollars are depleting. You have three or, three stations in town fighting for viewers and advertisers. And the pot's getting smaller and smaller, and that's what's happening across the country.
1: Yeah. Just at this table, guys, when's the last time you watched like the full local news cover to cover?
0: No, I don't remember the last time. I one can't remember the la- I mean yeah. if I'm
1: if we happen to have a case that's on it or there's something interesting that I want to see that happened to court, I might watch it yeah. for like five minutes. Or I'll record it and fast forward until I see what I want to see. Uh, but other well, than when that, you're in that the, loop
2: bit, you get in. You, you, you're yeah. watching at five o'clock, and and then you you see a story. Well, then you think that's coming on at five. No, it's five thirty. Then no, then that story finally comes up at six. But meanwhile, you waited for that one story. You saw the same story three times. Like I said, it's the same story, a different camera angle. They're saying the same thing, and it's just in repeat. And they might do the longer one yeah. at 630 instead right. of the And then sometimes now. you'll hear headlines, uh, not headline stories, you'll hear stories that are buried and that, that the media doesn't want to touch. Well, know, maybe one outlet does no, and, true. and the media doesn't want to touch it. It only goes with their narrative that's, that's hot right now. And if it doesn't fall into it, it falls on the back burner.
3: And social media has changed the game, too, because uh, oftentimes social media will have the story long before mainstream media does. Yeah, That happens all the time. E- even Facebook. I mean, there, there are people out there posting videos and posting little snippets and vignettes of little news items, uh, oftentimes that are true. And we have to go follow up on that. That you, happened a you, lot with me.
1: Well, imagine, though. It's like you, ha- you <clears throat> now have everybody's a news reporter out there. Everybody. Sure. And they all have the tools in their pocket to report the news. You just need an iPhone. You just need a phone. You just, you need a phone. It yeah. used to be like you had to have a camera, you had to have recording equipment, you had to have a platform, and and now you don't. It's like you have competition out there that is probably unforeseen ever. You know, it's like... It, True,
2: it's changed the scope of the whole media business, mm-hmm. totally. And then you always wonder, what is their editing tactic? You know what I mean? Yeah. You, know, they're not, you don't you see a, a three-second, 10 second clip. Well, actually, there was the minute before, the minute after that you don't get to see and where does the credibility lie because in the reporting before you used to be able to rely on Walter Cronkite right mm-hmm. and you used to be able to rely on 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 the on the on the papers that are coming out but then it's it's just gotten to the point where i'm going to have to tell you right now i don't it's very difficult for me to believe any news i cannot watch
1: i can't even believe google anymore if i google something and i don't and i find only one side of the answer i'm just like something's not right this can't be right I just, I don't trust the news.
3: Well, there was a clip from Chicago, Chicago TV, that a guy, a friend of mine, a doctor over at the James Cancer Center showed me the other day. He goes, you ever seen this clip? And I, and I said, no, probably not. Send it to me. So they're covering shootings in Chicago that happen about every other minute. And so they're talking to this young uh, you know, African-American kid. I don't know he's probably 10 years old. And they're talking about guns. And he says to the effect, I want to carry a gun too and he clipped it right there like okay here's another hoodlum right here's another kid who wants a gun and he wants to go start shooting people and then on the back end of that interview was I want to be a cop too because I want to be a police officer
1: yeah isn't that amazing just and it wasn't even one of like it didn't take much doctoring it just took clipping just clipping well Mm.
3: it sounded good you know here's this young kid maybe 10 I want a gun I want a gun too right after a murder story but i want to be a police officer w- what uh sounds sexier
1: yeah yeah and well and what fits your agenda if you're an anti-gun person that fits your agenda right. right so you know jeff you said one time we were talking about a trump speech and this isn't i'm only using this because you and i were talking about it. it's like you you mm-hmm. listen to it and you're like listen to this and then you you played like another version of it where they hadn't cut out like a bunch of stuff in between. Right. You can make it sound so much different. Right. I'm not saying it's, it's just... It's both sides. I'm not saying it's just Trump. It for it, Biden
0: with his dementia Biden. and uh, what they're alleging is dementia and then with Trump. I mean, they... You can... And you can see it. I mean, oh, you can man. see the flashes yes. within the video. Yes, you know what I Yes, mean? you can. You can If you go back and <laughs> yeah, watch and you it, you see them. You're like, like, this
2: has been cut. Yeah, it's
0: yeah. like... He didn't say all that within those 30 seconds. You or know there's some context to yeah. it that makes yeah.
1: sense. And it's almost um that if I, don't ha- if I don't check myself when I'm listening to this and saying that's probably cut, it's really easy just to, just to jump to the conclusion they want you to reach. It really is easy to do it. I mean, you can just yeah. wow, I can't believe you said that. Now I am, I've trained myself to say I wonder what else was said before, during, or after that, or what was the context of that. I always want to know more.
3: Yeah, yeah and just look at uh, two glaring examples. You got CNN on one side and right. Fox News on the other.
2: Who do you believe? I checked both. Oh, they both but, had their agendas. I checked I, both. I mean, they, the, they're, they're both running their own routes. Their the spins so are incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like two different stories. Out of the same story. I mean, speech. if you watch the oh, same, same yeah. premise, same story on each, they're yeah. totally different. Oh, two. totally. It's polarizing.
1: So you yeah. watched, uh, what's her name, uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, all the coverage yesterday, or whenever this was on her, on the, on the CNN side, it talks about how moderate she is. And then right. on the Fox News side, it talks about how radical she is. And they're they're quoting the same things. I mean, it's like like two completely different versions of this. And then I wonder to myself, why are they saying either? Why can't they just say what her position is? And that's where, you know, I I told Jeff the other day, it's like one of the things I'm doing now or I try to do and I read a story is I just discern how many adjectives there are. And the more adjectives, the less reliable it is. You know, it's like (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> it's like when you start looking, I start looking for adjectives and adverbs, and as many L-Ys as I can find, I throw out the story, because it's like it becomes this sort of opinion piece that's masquerading as a fact.
3: You know what's crazy is now there are some uh, outlets out there who are questioning whether or not she's black or Jamaican.
2: Really? It's crazy. I mean, they're questioning, questioning whether whether she's African American, or, American, or, yeah, or, she's or actually yeah. Indian right. Jamaican. Is not it crazy? But, Who cares? Because I've heard that too. They're like, she's not black. I'm like, well, actually, she's pretty yeah, black. She, yeah. I mean, if you just look at her, she's right. She's True. black. And but they're like, yeah, but she's not African American. Yeah. They're questioning the authenticity, and it's, and it's like is crazy. What does, yeah. What does that even? Why what does, it, what does it even matter? Why does it matter? It doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. Right.
1: And and why is it news? I mean, really? I mean, that's the that's the other question. Well, let me shift gears a little bit before we get too political. But it's uh, is there a time? It seems to me that like everybody's goal at some point would be I want to go national. I want to be the national. Like, how's the business work? You're in Florida, and then you start. I, I assume you just start soliciting offers with an agent to, to to move up the chain. How does that work?
3: You know, when I got into TV, I never had a map because I got into it by chance, happenstance, and so I didn't have a, a career trajectory at all, which was turned out to be my shortcoming. I just flew by the seat of my pants. Uh, I always wanted to get to a bigger market because the bigger the market, the bigger the stories, and the bigger the paycheck. So as a reporter, a young reporter coming up, you're always wanting to get to a bigger market to make more money. And to have more, you know, uh, you know, have more resources, to have a better news town. So I never really said I want to be at the network level. I just wanted to keep doing what I was doing and get to a city that I enjoyed doing it in. I was more concerned about my craft and where they would allow me to do that, where I could make a decent living. Uh, looking back, I wish I would have had a better plan in... Shot for like a Chicago or a Boston or a Philadelphia where I think my style would have played out a lot better than some other cities I went to like Orlando maybe and even Pittsburgh. I did well in Pittsburgh. I probably should have stayed in the East Coast. Or a grittier city like Philly Detroit, be great. Philly. Yeah, Philly be cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'd be thinking Philly, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, where
3: it could be? I could
1: be me? Because I'm, yeah. I'm a blue
3: collar guy from Flint, Michigan, raised uh, by a single mother on food stamps and shitty jobs. And I, yeah, came Yeah, yeah, I came Cleveland, on, like yeah Cleveland. Cleveland. Well, guy. I was offered a job in Cleveland. That's a whole different story. But I, I came out of the womb with a chip on my shoulder. You know, always had a chip on my shoulder, and I Yeah, I wish I would have uh, had a, a better career, map. But you're talking to a guy who, you know, graduated with a C average in, in high school, went to a community college to get his grades up, and then got it into Michigan State. I, I didn't have, uh, you know, mentors. I didn't have somebody to look up to. I didn't have and, – and there was nobody to say, okay, this is what you need to do. I just did it, trial and error. My, my mother was busy, busy raising four kids and putting uh, fish sticks and tater tots on the table. Yeah,
1: Gordon's fish sticks? Oh, I love them to yeah. this day. I remember those things before <laughs> microwaves even. So how did you feel
3: about Columbus
2: as a news town?
3: Uh, at first, I thought it was a great news town. I mean, my first uh, five, six years, uh, I really enjoyed being in Columbus on TV and doing the news. And then... The change happened not just here but across the country. Uh, because there's three companies, four companies who own all the stations ac- ac- across the USA, and the changes were more politically correct. We're not taking chances, we don't want to be sued, we don't want to lose viewers, we don't want people complaining about you on Facebook. Blah 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 blah, on and on and on and on and on. And it, it I got tired of it, it, it just became ridiculous to be trying to get on TV with all these restrictions. I mean, I'll give you an example right now. One time when I was working at one of the stations in town, I noticed this guy every day standing on the corner for 8, 10 hours a day panhandling. His face was all tattooed up. I later found out he had a felony warrant out for him. And I said, on my private Facebook page, I said, you know, I got to hand it to this guy. He could stand out there eight, ten hours a day. I see him coming into work every day. Why can't he get a job? Boom. I hate homeless people. I hate the down and out. I hate this. I hate that. Uh, the phones were lighting up. The, we were getting emails. Uh, fire him now. And I mean, it just blew up and became this movement. And uh, I wound up having to uh, write this apology that the station drafted up, and I had to put it on my Facebook page, and I got a letter in my file. And from that time on, I realized, hey, the game's changed. Yeah. You gotta keep your mouth shut, and you gotta be politically correct. Uh, Big Brother is watching, and you cannot have an opinion on anything.
1: Well, let's talk about that for a second, because <clears throat> wasn't there a story that emerged where some of these – pan I mean, it was their job. I mean, they're making lots and lots of money, and it's outside the tax realm. I mean, it's like – not to – I mean, they may have – some of them, homeless people are certainly going to have hard lives or whatever, but there was a story in that at one point. Yeah, that, I
3: did it. I, I did that story, and uh, I think it was about a year after that, but I did a story where we were tipped off that people were panhandling, uh, and they had apartments, and they were driving cars – and I confronted them. I confronted them on, on the streets, and I followed them uh, undercover to their apartments. I got video of them uh, in the bushes counting their money, and uh, none of them were uh, on the streets living homeless. So one guy, I came out and said, hey, why are you doing this? He goes, it's easy. I don't pay taxes on it. It beats working. Why not? And so that story came about a year later. But uh, I had to fight tooth and nail for everything. And it became exhausting. And enough was enough. You know, I was making decent money, but it wasn't worth it to me. It wasn't about the money. I wasn't in the game to make money. I could have been a male model with this face. I, <laughs> <19. laughs> I could have done any no. I, I could have been yeah. somebody. It was like yeah. a month
2: and a half ago or something, <clears throat> whenever the, the riots in Columbus first, first came to. And uh, it's Bob, I forget his last name. He's on Channel Bob Kendrick. Bob Kendrick. He did a personal post on his. He said, I can't believe these animals because they're smashing businesses. And this was not on his ABC. (sighs) This was his personal. Right. Now, I was watching the news. I was actually (laughs) watching the guys one night here. And he had to come on and make a formal apology. Now, I got on the Twitter and I went to his Twitter page and I said, no apology necessary. Just, just so one guy maybe could go out to him because he wasn't. He didn't say. They said that's racist. He didn't call. He said, hey, white, black, yellow, green. If you're downtown smashing windows right. and and hitting up cat sure. singers' deli and everything, you're acting like an animal. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But it was just what you whenever you told me that story, Bob's came up in my head because I was like, you said something on your personal about about this guy. Like you say, he's a felon. He's got his warrants. Bob just said on his personal, I can't believe these animals.
3: Yeah, they were breaking a news car window. They were shoving around photographers uh, outside of the looting and what was going on at that time. I know Bob Kendrick personally. I've known him for a long time. I consider him a friend. There's not a racist bone in his body. He simply made an observation that all of us... uh, made that look at these thugs, look at these animals, had nothing to do with the movement and the African-Americans out there trying to uh, get behind the movement and support the message, had nothing to do nothing. with that, had to, had to do with looting, destroying property and assaulting people.
1: Yeah, these opportunists who were just <clears throat> out
2: wilding, right? And I, mm-hmm. just, I just felt for him, though. No, I mean, he, as he, as I watched, he almost I, got I, fired. I, I, I couldn't, well, I, I know that's why he's doing the apology, but I couldn't believe they were going to force him. To be like, I can't. And he, he had to say that he can't believe he said that. And he's so sorry. And it's like, no, you're not. No, it's pathetic. I watched it. it was,
3: hi, I'm Bob Kendrick. The other day, I yeah. made a remark that, uh, well, yeah. I shouldn't have said. I apologize to everybody. It's so uh, disingenuous. And too, then the you? general it's manager like... gets on. The general yeah. manager gets on. He says, hi, I'm so-and-so. The other day, Bob Kendrick made a remark. This is not indicative of uh, our TV station or company. And he disappeared for a week. He, he almost got fired for that. A, g- a guy who has a great reputation in town. And, and I like him. Oh, I mean, whenever I watch, it, nice I guy. like him.
2: He's he's funny. He's entertaining. He does yeah. a good. He, 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 I liked him, and I just I was really kind of just I was like, where are we going? Where are we going? That he can't say something that's so obvious that it was not well, and it's not reported. You know,
1: so this is this this is this cancel culture thing. It's not like he did it in the course of his job. He but did, you know what? I remember
3: Facebook. the days in TV with. People in Detroit, like Bill Bonds, who was a legendary anchor there, the first million-dollar anchor in the country, one of the guys who made a million bucks uh, years ago. And he would challenge then-Mayor Coleman Young on TV to a boxing match. You know, I don't agree with you, Mayor. In fact, why don't we get together and we'll fight right now? And uh, he would call, like, look at those thugs. He would have called that out on live TV. Yeah. You do that now, you're gone.
1: You're think fired. Think yeah. of some of the historic <clears throat> gas. Remember Cosell? Like he said, uh, what he, he said, something about look at that monkey run or something like that. And, look uh, at
3: that little monkey run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, of it. he got skewered
1: by that. And you know, what? it's funny. Like, they, like look you, at you that hear monkey run. You hear that. You hear uh, like people talking about it later. It's like he said that about like he said about kids. He's like oh, he grandkids. his grandkids a little monkey. It's like he was just it just came out and it obviously was. I don't think he interpreted it or intended it that way at all. And then uh, what was the other guy? The Greek um, Jimmy, the Greek Jimmy, the Greek.
3: Well, he was a little outrageous, He though. was off the
1: charts, man. That one was
3: crazy. He but was he about, said that black athletes had an extra tendon or muscle in their— He was talking about how they would breed weird. them as slaves. I mean, yeah, it was that's bad. yeah,
1: that's bad. Now, that one, that one was off the charts. I no, would have fired him for that because there was that, another that's one. bad. There was another one, too. I can't remember. But it just seems that it's it now everything is canceled if you say anything. And, and on your personal time. I mean, those guys were saying it right. as they're broadcasting— that to me is a whole different ball of wax. I mean, if you're if you're on the air being paid by your employer and you gaff like that, well, I mean, you're fired. Now, if you do it in your personal life well, maybe not. You know, it just seems like that—that's a—that's a harder one for me to understand. It's like yeah. Then in, Facebook.
3: in the media, your reputation's gone because uh, all the other stations uh, look at it and they'll never hire you. They, a, they won't touch that. You said You're he's done.
1: Not, he kept his job, but did he? I mean, he's got no like his upward mobility is now stifled forever. Probably.
3: It's a sad situation. I can't really comment on whether or not another station w- would hire him because of his credentials, but there's no way that I could be forced to read something like that. I couldn't do it. No. You know, it was like a gun. You remember the old uh, hostage films where you could see- Yeah, read this and you could see a gun in the shadow. I felt that was going
2: on. I, I'm sorry. In the the same (laughs) broadcast, they were downtown, they showed a dumpster fire, they showed smashed windows, and they followed up with mainly peaceful protest. And I was like, right before they said mainly peaceful protests, I said, didn't they just show me video of a fire and a business with smashed windows and product right. event? So th- that right there, in my opinion, ends the peaceful.
3: No, I agree. And I, you listen, I don't care what race you are, what religion you are, what sex you are. I don't care anything. But if you're out there looting, destroying businesses, smashing windows, destroying property, you, my friend are an animal in a thug sorry that's what you are
1: well and then you get into this question like why like you said they're they're mostly peaceful or mainly peaceful or or the other side would say mostly violent or mainly violent those are those adverbs and adjectives it's like why is it getting reported that way why not just report what's happening there was a dumpster fire here there was a protester here there was this here it's like why do we have to add descriptive to it and and what is that really saying It, it no longer becomes news it becomes opinion and once you start dicing opinions, is it mainly peaceful? Like it what what dawned on me here is that when you said that I had to think, well what does mainly mean? Does that mean like all right, so the majority of the people there aren't violent, but maybe the minority by forty nine percent are violent. Now is that mainly peaceful? And then does that apply to the whole protest? It's like you can't ever get to the bottom of that.
2: No, but you say protests were disrupted by thugs and animals well
1: now that would be a fair description so well actually the disrupted would be a fair description (laughs) disrupted you would just say look the protests were disrupted by people who engaged in arson in in property damage in physical attacks in whatever and you could you have to report it the other way too some police officers were also responded uh with whatever they did you know whether they maced
0: Yeah, people lost control. Before they should have. A bunch of people lost control. Prematurely. But that's what you said before, Tom. It's like they want the advertising dollars. They want the viewers, you know, to say, hey, we have this many people at 5 o'clock tuning into our show, right? Well, yeah, and that's why you use the word protest and not
3: riots. I mean, there were a few protests, but from mostly, from my point of view, most of it were riots. But they never called it riots. They've always called them protests.
1: I when I'm trying to think what I how I describe what happened I call it both I said during the protests and riots <laughs> because that's what well, it
3: is. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. there were, a, said that. well, yeah, yeah I, I get that. There were people yeah. out there protesting, but uh, there were a lot of rioters out there. Yeah,
1: there were, and it, it got blurry. The the lines got real blurry real fast, and yeah, I, I guess I don't know how I would report on that. But what they were, both sides of this were taking positions on it, and they didn't act like they were taking positions on it. Right. And that, that maybe that's the problem. It's like, how do you fight with with opinion news that says that that doesn't admit it's an opinion? Which is another pet peeve I have when people say like, "Well, there's a show on MSNBC, and they're all oh, they're so far out left, they're so far this." Well, at least they're they're saying what it is. It's their opinion. Shadow don't then, mind opinions. I don't. Fox News the same thing. It's like well, it, it, there's. There's their, uh, whatever, their specialty hour-long shows are for the – it's like, of course, they're it's like, yes, they're right-wing. They say they're right-wing. They're giving their opinion on stuff, and they're not hiding that they're giving their opinion. I got no problem with that. It's it's when the people uh, on the nightly news at the anchor desk have opinions and are masquerading it – or masquerading opinions as news, I guess.
3: And I like to think that when I do have an opinion, that it's based on facts and common sense. It's not just some opinion I'm shooting out there just to have something to say, that it's based on living on this planet for a while, it's based on being a reporter for a long time, and it's based on what I
1: perceive as common sense. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you can defend your opinion. You can say, right. I believe this
2: and here's why. Exactly. But and that's it. the problem. When you see the news and then you actually walk around and I'm like, Am I? Are they missing it? Am, or am I seeing this just totally different? But what I physically see and and have seen what's going on is different than the reports I get. Yeah, you know, if if I hadn't been coming here to the studio and driving downtown right after all this has been going on, I would only get what you know. I mean, whatever from, from the news. If you if you live, you know, mean out in Johnstown, you live in Utica, you live somewhere out there. You're not really coming downtown, so the, that that's the only information you're getting. So I would just see. And observe, and I was always kind of like, this just doesn't seem like that's not the story.
1: And then the other problem is we were talking about this before. It's like every man, every woman is a journalist now, but they're not doing investigative reporting. They're just taking a snapshot of what's in front of them right now. Right. So it would be easy, and and that's a that's a I forget what the logical fallacy is called. But if I just say it because of this little thing, it's all this way. Uh, it it doesn't add up.
3: Well, that happens a lot, especially during the riots and protests. You would see like a a quick snap, a picture of a cop doing something. But you never, the backstory might be in some of these that maybe one of these protesters hit the police with a brick or something. All you saw was the police officer rushing toward that person with maybe his baton or, you know, or his gas uh, container ready to explode, but you never saw the backstory or knew the backstory.
1: Yeah, they clipped it out. And or maybe the person reporting it didn't see it either. You know, it's true. Like, there's not. True. Uh, it just seems that there's there's so much of that going on now that if we're just back to this premise. You can't trust any of it. You just can't.
0: It's sad, though, too. I remember getting home when I was a kid and have <clears throat> sit with my dad and have him watch the news like I took that as gospel. Yeah. You saw the same person. <clears throat> You felt like you knew the person because they're always in your house at night or in the morning. And that was the news. That was the truth. You know what I mean? And now it's, it is. I mean, you just you, – you never know what to believe anymore. You
1: just – and I don't see an end to it. Not on the main networks. I mean, I think it's got it, – the seeds of their own destruction is well, like pl- I'm planted, I think.
0: I'm a little younger than you guys. Like, I, and When I was in college, you didn't watch the news. You watched John Stewart. R- right, it. right. Do you remember that? I love felt Stewart. like He was trying to get to the truth oh, absolutely. In, in, in a comedic. Absolutely. You know, that's way. a great
1: point. And now what are people doing like these long form podcasts? Like I'm getting a lot of news through yeah. that stuff. And that's how I'm learning that. All right. They, here's this news told you this story. Now let me play the entire tape for you. So you listen to it all and you can sit there for an hour and dissect something. But it takes time. Um, but that's where I found the most reliable news. If you, and, and even if information, well, they're probably, not information. chained
2: to the desk, they're not chained to the owners there. You know, right. like you said, even when you said opinion, <coughs> you got to remember that might not be the opinion of the anchorman, but that is the opinion that he has been told that he has and that they will portray and go with.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's happened to us, Jeff, where we've given comments after a case or something and they, oh, yeah. they played on the air, and it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. that wasn't oh, the yeah. spin yeah. that put on
0: Or that. just the yeah. report in general. You're like, well, yeah. that's not really how that – Just the way happen. it's kind of couched yeah, yeah. yeah. positioned. Yeah. Um, we had that
1: – there. we had one particularly that was a sensitive gun-related issue and I, yeah. I went and gave like a 20-minute – I, I sat down and I said, you know, like whatever you're trying to report here, let me tell you the truth because here's the truth behind all this nonsense – and I just, it was right after the Dayton shooting, and I just laid into it. And they, they it did not come out that way at all. <laughs> it was cut up yeah. well beyond anything I had said. And I got it. I mean, I knew. And uh, I know the reporter very well. I mean, we've worked with her for a long time. But it just is, uh, you're right, it wasn't her opinion. But I'm sure that whoever was in charge of what was going to air had some things to say about that.
3: And it goes back to that 60-second, 90-second report, too. Yeah. yeah you got to do it in 60 How thorough days. can you get yeah. with a story in 30 to 90 seconds? Yeah.
0: Well, how many times have they called here and they've said, oh, we want to drop by, ask you a few questions about this issue, but then they'll call five minutes later and be like, oh, no, cancel that. We'll go, we're hitting something across town. You know what I mean? It's, it's just all about like, it's, it's all about quick yeah, and dirty. Yeah. yeah. Quick and dirty.
1: Now, that's a, it's a good segue because I think the podcast realm might be the savior of the news. I really do. Because you know what it does? It separates It separates the reporting from the, at least initially, it might change over time, but it seems to separate the reporting from the, accountability is not the right word, the uh, beholdence to the corporate corporate sponsorship or the ability to sell products or the ability to do whatever, because it's financed totally differently. It's not. uh, No, absolutely. You know, it's not like. Uh, you, if you, if you report this, your culture is canceled and right. you're, you're going to lose Amazon, you're going to lose this sponsor, McDonald's, <laughs> or whatever. It's like you can, these podcasters are able to sort of give, uh, advanced information. vapor isn't
2: going anywhere. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. We'll get to that later. PTMA <laughs> September 9th. We'll see <laughs> what happens. <Here> we go. <laughs> that's a whole another story, which is, uh, yeah, we will,
1: well, maybe that's another one we can, we can attack. So you got good stuff coming. Uh, you're not, you, you, you know, it's funny. I was, um, you've talked to, the, to us here at the studio a few times and uh at Channel 511 and then the pandemic hit and i was sitting scrolling through facebook or something i saw some posts that you had and i was like ah oh, you're onto some stuff here this is pretty interesting tom's got some stuff going even I, you didn't even know this but i took a screenshot of it and i texted it to jared and dan and i was like look what he's got going on here and uh then i reached out to you again or we got started talking again and uh, I think the time is right, maybe for uh, uh some some I, Susie
2: I, I showed that photo shot to to Shorty immediately because she's on the spy book. She jumps on the spy book <laughs> boom, she's a new follower and she she's did you see this one? Did you see this one and she's reading through and she's following you tom she's she's ready for it she's hungry for the real reporting well, why don't you make the big
3: announcement what we're up to yeah. and then I will tell you how this came about very organically
1: all right so here's what we're up to we are here's what you're up to we're going to partner up with channel 511 you're going to partner up with channel 511, no it's a we and uh we are going to create the susi report and the susi report is going to do all the things uh not do all the things rather that we're complaining about we're going to we're going to tell the truth we're going to it's going to be what are, the, what are the three catchphrases it's real raw and relevant
3: true True. And that's what people want. Real, raw, and relevant. What a slogan. That's great.
1: You know? And, you uh, guys uh, surprise
3: me every minute.
1: It's always been my <laughs> – it, it was one of my dreams as we started Channel 511 with the crew down here – to sort of replace this network nonsense. You know, it's like I always have a, why would, why, Jeff, why else would we do what we do if we don't defend the little guy? You know, it's like the, the mm-hmm. underdog. And even when the underdog's a real dick, sometimes I defend him anyway because it, it, there's something to that I've always liked. And I've always liked the sort of the David and Goliath type stories. And uh, creating this, I thought, you know, if I could just grab somebody uh, who knows how to report knows has been in broadcast has been in network news has done this stuff before professionally that's sort of what it takes to get something like this going and to get a to get a real raw and relevant news report show uh created and you know we have all the stuff here ready to do it we have the platform ready to do it and then uh you know i saw your facebook posts and it just sort of clicked it was like uh what's that movie uh working girl it's like trask and whatever it was Working girl. i mean, compared to a character in the working. You're Melanie girl. Griffith. Yeah. You're Melanie yeah. Griffith. Uh, no, but it was. Uh, it was. Uh, My man
3: boobs must be coming through. if You think I'm Melanie Griffith? It's
1: that cow skull on your shirt. Um, but no, it's. Uh, it just seems like a great time right now to to get away from this mainstream nonsense and do something that uh, that really matters and makes some sense and is interesting, for if nothing else.
3: Well, let me tell you this happened. Uh, I left uh, TV for good about 14 months ago. During that time, for a few years, I was doing uh, private investigations uh, on the side. I formed my own company. And so I already had that in place. So when I left, I... Decided to put all, place all my intention and focus into my company. You know, investigations, mostly for lawyers, uh, criminal defense, personal injury. And so when the riots and protests started, there was uh, something that caught my eye. It was blue lights, I think, back the blue. It was back the blue, back the police. And it was uh, painted uh, in front of City Hall. On the road somewhere, somewhere along City Hall.
1: You mean on, like, uh, like a graffiti-type painting? Yeah,
3: and know. it was really nice. You know, it was nicely done. It said, uh, you know, back the blue, something along those lines, and it was on the road in front of City Hall on uh, public property. Immediately, that came down. Immediately, the city, under the cover of darkness, literally at night, came out and washed it away and got rid of it. So I thought, what hypocrisy. There's still horrible messages uh, painted on overpasses and buildings like, you know, slaughter the pigs, uh, F, you know, CPD, you know, cops suck and all this stuff. So what I did is I got on my bike and drove around the city and I took a bunch of uh, pictures of all these uh, mottos, you know, uh, anti-police, you know, let's get rid of CPD and all this stuff. So I put all of these pictures on my Facebook page and it blew up, blew up. I think it had almost a thousand shares and over a thousand likes. And you have to remember a few months earlier, I uh, got rid of all my social media accounts. I got tired of it all. So I didn't really have that much of a following to begin with because I got rid of all my social media pages, which, you know, I had 5,000 followers and I had a lot going on, but I just got tired of social media. So when I saw this, you know, that people really were paying attention and it was taking off and people were responding, I thought, I got to do something. And that's when you entered.
1: Yeah, Steve, I, you got
3: involved. I, you gave me a call.
1: I, I texted you and gave you a shout. And I was like, this is good stuff. And and just so we're clear here, in the message, obviously worked this way in this situation where. The city was taking out the support the police graffiti and and cleaning that up, but leaving the F the police graffiti up. And to me, it didn't matter. It could have been reversed. And it's the same story. It's like you can't you can't have the government choosing content one over the other. uh, And because it immediately implies, if not establishes that it's not neutral
3: no and, absolutely and i started getting fed more and more and more and more and i started doing little uh stories on it uh, one of jared's uh, favorite uh stories is the removal of the christopher uh, columbus
1: statue that's right now this one caught my eye too and i sent this to these guys too so tell us about that one
3: okay so we, we all know that uh the mayor's office declared the removal of the christopher columbus statue in emergency now that allowed them to pretty much do whatever they wanted to do in terms of removing that statue. So what they did, they didn't have to have formal bidding on that job. They gave it to a longtime political contributor. They paid in the ballpark of $90,000 to move to remove that Christopher Columbus uh, uh statue, which is now in storage somewhere. Meanwhile, I find out that Columbus State, uh, you know, college has a Christopher Columbus statue up bigger and made of marble. And they got a donor to remove it at the donor's cost at about $26,000. And I thought, there's something wrong with this picture. One is that the city was able to do a no-bid job on it and paid $90,000 to a company that gives them political donations,
1: it's interesting. And and again, what I like about this story is that it doesn't matter. It could be widgets. It doesn't matter if it's the Columbus True. statute. It really doesn't matter. True. And, it, and it, I think the story stands for what it stands for, irrespective of whether you agree that we should have been taken down the Columbus statute to begin with. I mean, just assume that it was the right thing to do. Now, what is the process by which we're going to do it? And how should a government uh, engage in that activity? How should a government get that job done? And and clearly here, it stinks.
3: No, and I think part of it was, we talked about this earlier, when the protests and the riots happened after the George uh, Floyd shooting and in, in these uh, protesters uh, started uh, here in Columbus, the city was totally unprepared. It was like, what do we do? cops are bad we need police reform we got to do something quick and they started putting that message out bad police uh time for reform christopher columbus no he's tied to slavery take that statue down we have to do something they were appeasing people they were just knee-jerk reactions to appease uh like to a, a, a
1: lynch mob it no that's exactly what it was and and here's the thing it's like again it may have been true that ultimately the right thing to do is to remove that statute. We can all have our opinions on it, uh, and they could all be voiced. It could all be done publicly. True, it could true. all be done in the context of normal government operations. And uh, there would, if you didn't agree with it, so be it. At least there was public discourse on it. Exactly. But when it's done without public discourse, whether it's taking down a statute, whether it's agreeing to spend money on something, or whether it's shutting down businesses without public discourse, now we have this, this sort of specter of government corruption, and that's what the problem is. And, you know, that that uh, my entire career as an attorney, whether and I found this on both sides of both political or of all the political aisles that may even be out there. It's like that's the kind of stuff that I've always fought against. And it's like I, I don't need somebody unilaterally making decisions. Uh, and it just it, and it's not fair, I guess, is really what it comes down to.
3: No, I mean, it's called communism. If you're not going to have a public discourse and you're just going to uh, arbitrarily say this has to happen. This has to happen. This can happen with, without going to the public, without having public meetings and getting other public uh, officials involved in the process. It's communism. It's dictatorship. You just can't outwardly make these decisions uh, with, without the,
1: you know, following a process. You got to follow the process. And even because here's here's the explanation. Yeah, but we're right now. Here's the problem. Um, no, you know, based you, on what? You always have to follow the process even when you're right, because you know what? Sometimes you're wrong. True. Sometimes you're wrong.
3: And there's processes in place for a reason. Yeah. You know, there's checks and balances. There's democracy. There's, you know, government is set up to operate in a certain way. So what does all this have to do with the SUSE report? We're going to be watchdogging all of that. We're going to be, um, we're going to keep your public and elected officials honest. I mean, I can't tell you since I've been doing this, I'm getting more tips now than I did my last two years working in television. That's awesome. No, it's crazy. One is because there's a lot more going on. Two is they trust me because I'm not affiliated with big media.
2: You know, that's such a good well, point. Well, they will give it to you because it may go somewhere. If they exactly. gave it to you before, it would get squashed and it was a waste. Well, that's another point. That's a great point, Jared. And usually
3: that's what happens. It yeah. either got squashed or went it's like, down well, I crapper. Give it to them
2: all the time. Nothing ever comes of it, so we're done leaking it out there until we've got somebody that's got a source and does go through with it. Since you are no longer, you know, associated with that, now they know that, well, he, and they trust you. Right. True. Which I built that trust
3: over a period of years now working with a lot of them, but uh, great points.
1: Yeah, and what I, again, I keep going back to this because I don't want this to sound like it's going to be some sort of politically bent-up show no, because it's, it's really it's not. not. It, it's no. calling out the crap on both sides uh, from every angle. And that's what I love. It doesn't have to be political. It, I mean, look, unfairness is unfairness is unfairness, and nothing justifies that. The ends don't justify that. Uh, and, and that's what I love about this. And I think there's also this huge dearth in the – there's like this big black hole out there of nobody reporting the edgy stuff right now.
3: Oh, absolutely yeah. not. It's not. It's not happening. And I guarantee you, aside from a few uh, hits here and there, it won't be happening for the reasons we discussed. Yeah, I mean, the climate
1: we'll is different more than ever. It's like you hear corporations. It's all corporate, uh, corporate changing, driven. Like changing what they sell, changing what they call their products, changing everything. So it's like it is.
0: It is completely. Taking out the hydrogenated cooking oil—it tastes so good. Uh, I mean, how out. many
3: how many reporters do you see in town who really ask hard, meaningful questions to anybody in town? Do you do you see confrontations? Do you see reporters uh, grilling a public or elected official, or even a crooked business or
2: contractor? You Judge don't Windsor. see that. Jack Windsor is about the closest that I can get to that out <laughs> yeah. of Mansfield.
1: And you know, and when they do, they're they're sort of ostracized by their own. You know, it's like the like they they become the story as being the lunatic. Right. Yes. You know, and it's like, all right, well, at least I heard this. You know, it's like cross examination. You know, this is a this is a great. Uh, I always try. This is a lawyer talk show, I guess, but. You know, there was this quote from the U.S. Supreme Court that cross-examination is the greatest legal engine for the discovery of the truth or some other crap like that. But it's true. And if if you're sitting at a defense counsel table and you're going to trust the government to elicit and bring out all the stuff, all the evidence, all the testimony that you think is necessary for a fair and honest assessment of your guilt or innocence, you're crazy. (laughs) They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Uh, it's not going to happen, and they're not even going to do it unwittingly or, or wittingly. It'll be unwitting. They don't even know they're not doing it, and it's it, it, that's why we have this adversarial system. Like you just said, nobody wants to get in and scrap and be adversarial, but the adversarial system is what exposes the truth. It absolutely is, and the more you argue about it, the more you press on it, the more you cross-examine on it, and the more you make people squirm, you're either going to be exposed as the asshole liar or they will, But at the end of the day, on top of that rubble, will be the truth.
3: No, I mean, that's what we're going to do. We're going to demand accountability. Period. I love it. I mean, it's not based on opinion. It's not based on just trying to get people to listen to us and follow us. It's based on right and wrong.
1: Yeah. And that 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 doesn't change. Now, what's interesting is this, is that nobody's going to touch, I would guess, this mainstream. Nobody, Nobody mainstream is going to touch the Christopher Columbus statute story. And the reason is because it's politically incorrect to say they shouldn't have taken down that. True, it's, it's like you're going to oh he's he's questioning the taking down the put of the Christopher Columbus statute, but that's not really what you're doing. And even if you were, who cares? But that's not what you're doing. What no, you're it's, doing it's not. Not at all. The corruption,
3: the misappropriation of funds. Yes. No. What, what I'm saying is they had why an emergency declaration to remove that statue. Right. That was the that was a real big problem. Secondly you don't have this job it on you give it to somebody uh who's over the years has contributed to political campaigns
1: and that's what you then then i just start my brain starts going it's like a switch it goes off it's like all right so i wonder who the subcontractors were i wonder when the last time right. that another job was done by this contractor i wonder how much money they gave i wonder what this happened i, I wonder how many phone calls between the decision makers and the contractor occurred uh, on their private cell phones before that decision was it's like you just start thinking like what's the evidence out there of corruption? I wonder if anybody else offered to do it cheaper. Like I wonder
3: no, I sure, no, I know that i I know somebody would have done it cheaper because I talked to that company who tipped me off about the uh, yeah. statue at Columbus State. So absolutely i've a lot of contractors said that figure was bloated up by at least sixty percent. Mm.
1: That's crazy. That's crazy. And then it sounds
0: know, like we need a bulldog investigator with a podcast to give us some answers to We that. need a Susie report <laughs> We're gonna blow it report, up man yeah. I
3: mean we're gonna have the uh, the Facebook the Twitter the uh, a web page and podcast and I, I'm looking forward to it I, I feel unchained I feel like I really have been reborn to uh, be a reporter again
1: well it's sort of I th- and you know it sort of feels refreshing too to know that uh, you' somebody out there is willing to say you know what screw it uh, and not only willing, but able, because I I don't right. want to impugn mainstream reporters because, you know, they have mortgages, they have families, oh, absolutely, have car absolutely. payments, they have, they, they are beholden in a lot of ways uh, to the mainstream chains. They, they don't have a choice. Like, no, you know,
3: I totally agree. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to do this. Uh, I mean, if I didn't have the financial resources and I didn't have a wife who made a good living, I would be at the t v station cowering and doing what I needed to do to get that paycheck, yeah you know I know that i 'm very fortunate that I was able to walk away and start my p i business as, and my wife has a you know makes a decent living. I have a lot of friends in this business who are getting beat up, but they have to stay in the game because they need the paycheck
1: yeah and that's the that's the sad part of it and uh you know, yeah, that's sort of what uh, Jared and we were down here, Jeff and we were down here talking about what are we going to do down here. This was, That was the pipe dream. And it's it's really cool that it's 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 starting to happen is that we can provide a platform that is uncensored in a way. It's like you're not beholden to uh, somebody selling widgets using your name. And if they don't want to listen to the SUSE report, they don't have to. If they want to listen to it, they can. And, you know. We all are doing this almost as a project as opposed to a, a, a job. You know, it's like a, this is like a, this is, a, this is an, this is a, like you said, this is the right thing to do. I think you're the next Ted Turner, sir. Oh, yeah, that's right. man. <laughs> I really do. When can I go
3: hunt buffalo? I want to take you down to Mo- Montana though. grill and introduce you yeah. to a place. People are hungry hunger.
2: for it. They want to hear something other than the three <clears> channels, <throat> channels that they can watch. Yeah. Cause it, no matter what, they're the same stories. I mean, however, I mean, whichever uh, channel you watch if they report on it. It's the same story. Listen, I, I don't think anybody in this
3: town can uh, ever question my work ethic, ever question uh, getting a story right, ever being called out on the carpet for a story not being right, uh, never being sued. Uh, but they, they all will agree that I went head to head, balls out, and confronted people uh, who needed to be confronted. I never put anybody on TV who didn't deserve to be on TV. I did what I thought if, was if right If they had all a clean plate, you let everybody know their plate was clean. Well, that <laughs> franchise kind of bothered me in a way. Did it? And it's more bothersome now because I'm watching restaurants struggle. And to be honest with you, if I was on TV right now, I would not do a Dirty dining report. It's just a disservice to the restaurants. Because even though you call, call out a restaurant for violations— it's there. It's done. They don't. Re- they won't remember that they corrected the violations. Right. All they remember is that you they gave them, them the dirty dish award. And I think if you're going to do that sort of reporting, it has to be the sort of situation that creates a danger to the public, a real danger to well, the public. Yes so no. and
1: Let me. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, look, we're trying to right now. This is there is a. We all want to support our local businesses and see them excel and succeed. But if nobody's calling them out on the stuff they should do right, then, they, then they're then they not going to succeed anyway. And th- there's there's something – I'm not saying – I get somebody, that. I understand. So th- there's like this – again, this is sort of back to the confrontation and, and adversarial exploration of the truth. It's like it, we raise our kids. And if I let my kid get the cookie when he's crying at 6 in the morning because that's what he wants for breakfast, well, I'm not doing him any favors. Now, it, it's like – it's a little bit different, I guess, but you can't permit people to continue to do things that are wrong uh, just because they won't succeed if you call them out on it. Because then you're not setting any any precedent for people to do it right, and that's the that's that's sort of the the thing. And I think that's what's going on right now in journalism. I mean, like looking at it, the big picture, it was the Woodward and Bernstein's that would dig to the bottom because they didn't care. Now they certainly had political agendas. Sure, and I get it, uh, but they they found the story right. uh, and and. It, it, whether that would let's say that was uh anti-obama would it have been exposed let's say that was anti-trump and it's fox news would it have been exposed and i would say probably not now you know it's like i'd agree so nobody's out there watchdogging these people and i think historically it was the free press that did
3: no, you make a good point, and uh, you know maybe you could twist my arm, and
2: we'll do some uh, re- restaurants no, too. Let's right? let <laughs> no.
1: everybody let's re- let everybody recover first. I mean,
2: how <laughs> else would have I known <laughs> that Cahoots had the best lunch if it wasn't for Tom? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going yeah, to have to say. Oh, you're
3: right. I gave them the clean plate award. You order. did.
2: You did. I was like, well, hey, if he gives it, I I
3: need to go sample the the goods. That's a funny story because I gave Cahoots. Yeah, a strip bar, an adult—you know—it's an adult club. But uh, let's—there were strippers, but they did have good food and they did have a good health record. So I go in there with cameras rolling, and the guy said to me, uh, "How you want to shoot this?" I said, "Well, From just the waist make, yeah just make sure nobody is uh, topless or doing anything inappropriate." But uh, we, I'm surprised we got that on TV. And years later, I'm still grilled by some people about. Uh, the Clean Plate Award presenters, they said, why are they all good-looking uh, women? Why do you do that? And I said, I don't know. I, I looked at it as the Vanna White kind of thing. That was my thing, Vanna White out there giving the Clean Plate Award. And I became a sexist. I became a, a male pig. Uh, why don't you have guys do it? I said, I don't I don't want to have guys presenting a clean plate award. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it just got on. So, yeah, I mean, I took a, a lot of heat uh, off the uh, the Dirty Donnie report in, in many ways. And I got to give uh, ABC6 credit for sticking with it through my whole career there. They really did. And we, we got a lot of people to watch it, but there were a lot of people out there who would complain about not only exposing the restaurants, but uh, maybe exposing uh, other things, too.
1: Well, you know, one more, the, the other one we talked about just the other day, I thought it was, it was sort of, this is maybe a, a lower level consumer thing, but you were talking about this situation where uh, there was this scam about duct cleaning, or no, it was a leaky water heater. Oh, right, right. And, and you know, there, there's these people that go scam and take advantage of old, this is the classic knock on the old lady's door and, or the repair guy that gets called right. up and you know, I got a leaky water, check out my water heater. So tell us what that one was about.
3: Well... I quickly made a name in this town by doing uh, hitting camera undercover investigations, exposing bad contractors. I mean, I'm still to this day, people, uh, bring it up, you know, on on social media. Uh, And basically what we would do is we would uh, set up these different scenarios. Let's say, let's do the water heater. So we got a, a tip that there was this guy running around town claiming he was a licensed plumber, which he wasn't. He had a criminal record as well. And so... We decided to set uh, a scenario where we'd get a house and we would have the water heater uh, inspected by a licensed and insured plumber. Anything wrong with it? No, it's all good. There's nothing wrong with it. So we, that's the first step we would do is whatever we were doing the sting on, you know, AC heaters, we would have outside inspectors thoroughly inspect it. No, it's working good. Okay. And then we would start... Uh, inviting some of these uh, guys who we thought were shady contractors from our tips to the house to do uh, an inspection. And unbeknownst to them, the house would be especially that area by the let's say the water heater would have hidden cameras all over the place. I mean, places where you wouldn't even think you could put a camera there. And so we'd have our decoy call up and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm having some trouble with my water heater. I think it's leaking. I'm not sure what's wrong with it. Well, we would uh, turn the little uh, valve and create a little leak ourselves, We're just dripping. Mm -hmm. So this one guy who we knew was dirty and was ripping people off, he came in there And uh, I'm watching him on uh, monitors. I'm watching every move. So he's throwing this water, splashing it up on the uh, hot water heater, just handfuls of water. And he comes up and goes, think I got the problem. Come on down. So I'm watching. He goes, ma'am, I got some good news and bad news. Good news is we can fix it. The bad news is your uh, hot water heater's cracked. You're going to have to buy a new one. And look, all this water coming down the side of that uh, tank. You need a brand new hot water heater. So, we go downstairs hey, how you doing, Tom Susie? uh can you show me what's wrong with this hot water heater? He's white Excuse as a me ghost by now it's like... Excuse me, sir, can you show me you said there's a crack where's the crack <clears throat> And he just immediately takes off, starts running, we're chasing him up the stairs and out out
2: the door yeah,
3: oh it's great- yeah, I mean, and some people would say, well, Jeez. that's sensationalized listen here's the way I look at it. It was good, entertaining t v that exposed people who needed to be exposed, and that is a community service.
1: That's that's what we're talking about, right? So and how can – if you're the person that gets ripped off, and think how many times you've had people in your house, how many times you've had your car repaired, how many times – that uh, even you caught it sure and you I this happens to me all the time because I'm a I'm a pretty mechanical guy and I can smell bs most of the time but maybe not all the time and I think to myself something in here is not right I'm not going to go with this dude I'm going to call somebody else and it turns out it was complete bs and the first thing I think to myself is I wonder how many people got screwed by this dude
3: oh absolutely so, I mean I, I did uh, brake shops I did muffler shops I did uh, electricians plumbers uh HVAC guys and we always caught somebody up to shenanigans, and including a couple of major companies that you would recognize. I'm not going to mention, but we did something with brakes and we wouldn't got the car inspected at a mechanic school. We went to some uh, school that taught mechanics about an hour and a half from here to keep it, you know, totally uh, on the up and up. And the brakes were fine. And so we shopped this thing around town and we, t- we took it to, uh, One place that was a national franchise, it was huge, big company. And he told the driver, this woman, our decoy, ma'am, those brakes are shot. You need new brakes. I think it's dangerous to drive with those brakes. I think you, you could get into an accident. It could be a bad situation. Big company, big name. We had them dead center. And so, of course, they were an advertiser. This my station. My, these bosses got so nervous. Uh, uh, uh. They called a meeting with the uh, the company's representatives. Brought him down and showed them the videotape. They said, "You got us. You're, you're, we, this is wrong. This is bad. We need to we need to fix it. We need to uh, get rid of this guy. This is not what our company is about. You got us. We still never ran it. Never ran it. And then we did a story where we exposed." Uh, bad mechanics, and we couldn't say who they worked for or what company they were with. And so one of the underground papers did a story on me and called me Susie the Sissy. He said, look at this guy. He's out there uh, exposing these people, but he doesn't have the balls to uh, say who it is. And I got immediately on the phone. I said, dude, you think this is me who makes these decisions? I said, I, I wanted to name them. I wanted to expose them. Go call my bosses and you could talk to them. Don't call me fucking Susie the Sissy. I mean, uh, <laughs> don't call
1: me, man. I'm yeah, no, no,
3: no, well, no. It's like, listen, yeah. I, you know, no, I no, wanted. Right. You're right. It's a disservice. and it, 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 you're a, And you should be calling this out, but it's not my fault.
0: That happened all the time. I don't know if you know. Years ago, we got a case resolved because of Tom. I don't know. Yeah. So we had a, I don't remember what kind of case it was, but it was somewhere where the victim in the circumstance was, you know, oh, they did this to me, they did this to me, you, you, you know, just wanting our client put in jail and, and do not pass go and all that kind of stuff. Well, you had done a story on this person as a contractor, the alleged victim, about what he was doing crooked around the and so that came up in our negotiations, oh, yeah. like, look, this guy was even on TV because he was some crooked contractor, and you were putting the you were putting the mic in his face. And I think if, if memory serves me, I think we got the case resolved because of that. It was definitely a component yeah. of
1: it. I do remember that because vaguely.
0: they were sort of you know playing this role of "Well, I'm the poor victim here," and it's like you're poor. you don't have a poor victim here. Let me show you this.
3: Yeah, you got a crook. Yeah. Well, oh, I, I chased around this one contractor. It seemed like for my whole career. We got to be first-name, on a first-name basis, Tom and Dennis, and every time I would show up with the microphone his face, camera's rolling, Dennis, gots to go, Tom, gots to go. Get out of here, gots to go. So I got a t-shirt printed with his face on it, and I put, Tom, gots to go. And I remember one time wearing that on TV doing a report. My, awesome. my Tom, you gots to go shirt. I mean, yeah, I, I miss doing that. So it's going to be good to get back into that. I mean, I, I like to be entertaining. I like to, uh, you know, to do do a little bit of that. But it's also a community service. You're exposing people, ripping people off, and that's not happening now. That's a huge void.
1: Yeah, no, there's none of that stuff going on. It's it's sort of funny that it just and people accept and trust way too much. And I think people are, uh, I think people will be surprised to learn well, how much corruption absolutely and how much deception is really going on out there. Yeah, and I'm not going yeah. anywhere, Dennis. Okay? <laughs> if you're dead, so Dennis, I'm not
3: going anywhere. You better be clean out there because I ain't going anywhere I'm back.
1: Well, look, we got to wrap it up. We've got uh, lots to come though with the Susie report raw no what it, i have already screwed it up real real raw
3: and yeah, relative irrelevant.
1: real raw would you say irrelevant,
3: irrelevant or no, re- relevant. real raw <laughs> and relevant we'll practice this before the show yeah, i hope we'll, right we'll get it, we'll yeah get it right. we'll get this right
1: so uh yeah another riveting episode here of <laughs> lawyer talk with guest tom susie you know it sounded awesome that's because freddie b's making it happen making the sound perfect we got photos photo dan was here Dan Buckley, photography, taking all the pictures. He's going to be uh, hooking up with you, Tom. I've seen his stuff.
3: This guy's incredible. Great stuff. What what a talent.
1: Uh, Amazing what happens when you have somebody who really knows what they're doing on your side. Uh, We have Brett over at Circle 270 Media. He's helping all the podcasts get launched. Uh, So lots going on here at Channel 511. Uh, This has been Lawyer Talk. Actually, i got to say one more thing. You can check out our website, lawyertalkpodcast.com. We even have a Patreon account. You can go check that out. Uh, agree, sign up, donate. Uh, we have a bunch of interviews happening at on our YouTube channel at channel511.com. You can scroll to the bottom, click the YouTube icon. You'll see it right there. It'll take you there. Ring the bell. Get all the great content. Soon to be the SUSE Report content also. So now we are wrapping it up. This has been Lawyer Talk off the record on the air, at least until now.